Everybody, you listen to the High Sessions Hawaii podcast, where we talk about everything local and beyond. I am your host, John Yamasato, and joining me today is Kyle Shimabukuro. How's it? Devin Nakoma. Sorry, I was watching Devin play Pokemon on <laughs> can his you say that? Can you say that last name a little bit less like a Japanese person? Ah, <laughs> uh, so uh, joining me today is Kyle Shimabukuro-san and Devin Nakoma. Oh, my God, but dude, what was that? What was that? I don't know. It's just the way it came out of my mouth. Like, you want to start again? Let's do another take. No, 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 no. That was awesome. Just and let Devin it, let it wash over us because that was funny. Hi, how are you? All right. Okay. <laughs> Before we begin, let me remind all of our listeners of the ways they can stay in touch with the show. There is Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at High Sessions. Then you can go to SoundCloud, YouTube, or Apple Podcasts to download the show. When you're there, rate us a five star or just make a comment or let us know you're out there because... Who knows? We, we don't know, you know, who's listening to this channel. Yeah. And of course, we really don't. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you can email us at high sessions at yahoo.com. Um, of course, if you'd like to help the show get more music on the channel, go please go to patreon.com, P A T R E O N, and donate. There you will get more involved with the show and help determine who and what is filmed. We will be working on something else too. I don't know how to do this, but there have been people who have either come up to me or, or wrote me and said, you know, I want to do a one time donation. I, I'd rather not do the Patreon thing. Is there a way to do that? And uh, right now, there's not. But uh, we got to come up with something so that people. If, if you want to give us money, if you want to give us money, we will figure something out. Yeah, we'll we'll figure out something for that. I'm thinking of like. <laughs> don't, don't you know. worry. <laughs> yeah, setting up a high sessions Venmo or something. I, I don't know. That might but, be a uh, good idea, Don. The high sessions yeah. Venmo. High yeah. sessions Venmo. Then we can put oh. it on the the thing. You know. Yeah. Anyway, um, I wanted to talk a little bit before our guest comes on. We're going to have Tommy Silva on in a few minutes. Uh, he is wait, 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 Jack. I've been playing Pokemon. Uh, no, Pokemon. I'm not. Oh, what you doing? Uh, I, don't play, I don't play Pokemon. Anyway, go. He is the owner of away. TNT Tinting. And um, yes, yes. he's been very vocal lately because of the shutdowns and all that kind of stuff. So I, I have not seen his, his interviews and whatnot, so I don't know how passionate he's going to get about this on the um, on He's going to get really passionate. Oh, he is? Okay, so... Yeah, um, but it's okay. That's good. It's good. I mean, we, we like to hear and, from all and, sides. And to be honest, I mean, they just opened things up. So, I mean. You know. Right, right. So yeah, here we are yeah. sitting. This is going to release tomorrow. So it is September 29th today. September 30th, you'll be hearing this. So, yeah, you'll, you'll I don't know. All the tourists are supposed to come back October, October 15th. So that should be interesting. I know that they have some kind of um, testing that they're supposed to do. Next week's guest um, hopefully is going to be Lieutenant Governor Josh Green so he can give us some insight on what the state is doing to try to um, yeah have people start coming back although it's really weird to me that it's such a quick turnaround you know from complete shutdown to hey now we're going to allow tourists coming in uh, I'm well, not saying one way or the other but so just, they just they've had this they've had this plan in in, in, in I guess formulation for a while now so mm -hmm. it's just now they're finally the our numbers are because it had to be a, it had to be an even, not an even match, but it had to be a combination of us having low numbers, low infection numbers, with the testing being correct and having it available. Because at the time it was like, you know, we were thinking about doing it, and all of a sudden our numbers went, oh well, shit, okay, we can't do it now. And then the numbers started to go down, but then they were trying to figure out what was happening with the testing because everybody else was needing testing, and that was causing a problem as well. So. 
Um, they're saying that there's going to be another upswing in numbers uh, on the mainland, but we don't know. You know, I was reading this uh, article about in Germany, they're using um, virus-sniffing dogs at the airport. Yeah, I feel about that. I was like, what? And, and supposedly these dogs are more accurate than the saliva test. They can smell like up to so many viral particles per, you know, drop of whatever. And it's actually mm. more accurate. So they just get you oh, and they, I, I forget. So they, they don't stick the dog on them and the dog bites them and drags them away. <laughs> no, I, th I think you have to, they wipe something on you and then they, they have the dog smell that or something like that. I don't think they go up to you and smell you, you know? Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know, Matt. I, if, that, if it's that accurate and it works, I don't see why we don't do more of that, you know? Because well, you've got to get the trained dogs. Yeah, just get these dogs trained up, man. I like dogs. I don't mind if they're around, like, before you go into Safeway, they just kind of sniff you, and then you go into Safeway. And that way, everybody's always being sniffed and knowing what's going on. And, you know, <laughs> it's good. Smelling people is good. Yeah. <laughs> people always get sniffed. That's always, <laughs> a, that's always a plus. So, you know, I okay. think between testing and – I don't know. I don't – I'm not super uh, excited or, or have a lot of faith in this uh, vaccines, but I think – extra testing and the dog sniffing and, you know, just preventative measures and then just overall care. I think it's going to be what, what gets life semi back to normal. You know, we should do that. Make you happy is um, just round up all the cats in Hawaii Kai that's stray, teach them how to sniff, <laughs> put them to work. And I, that would be such, um, I don't want to say ironic, but if, if cats saved us, then that would be something. Yeah. Stray they, cats. They would, they would hate you though, man. But uh, the cat you, you know would just be, be like, ooh, that's the, that's the guy that's trying to get rid of us. <laughs> They're going to nab him every single time. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, you can refer to the few first podcasts where I, I yeah. did my thing about people who feed feral cats. And it's, yeah, I guess it's not even the cats. It's, it's the, it's, why do you feed feral? Anyway, we're not going to go down this. Uh, anyway, this, yeah, let's not go down that road again, please. Okay, so the listeners have questions for us? Well, we did have, we had one question and I wanted to get to okay. this because it was just a, a topic. This is completely off topic of anything we've ever talked about, but I had no idea what this person's talking about. So Renee writes in that she remembers a small movie theater with leather lounge chairs that would show old yes. movies in Kaimuki. Yes. Movie museum. Yeah, movie museum. Movie museum? Okay, so you yeah. did say yeah. something about the movie museum and she was saying, does yeah. that still exist? Is that still there? Last time I went, it was uh, still there. It's still there, but they're not open. They're not open anymore. I mean, Where is so, it? I've never so, even heard of that. Is, yeah, is right that near, right next to Pietro's in the bank. You know where the tuxedo place was? Where you rent all your tuxedos before weddings and stuff? That's where I got my tuxedo from. Was it after five? Or, well, no, after five was a bar. No, there. no, no. What was it was <laughs> tuxedo place called? I, I forget. A special day or something like yeah. that. I forget what it was. Yeah. They're right yeah. next door. You should know, Carl, because you had to get you had to get a tux for my wedding. <laughs> I, walked, I used to walk in there. I knew my size already. I had yeah, so you again. <laughs> Why did Carl's he have been to... on many many weddings? He's been on many weddings. Oh, he has. For That's... for whatever reason, for whatever reason, Kyle is always the go-to guy <laughs> when you want a best man. When you want somebody, you want... I have no idea why. Because Kyle's also the one. Who everybody goes, hey, you got to be brutal, right? You're going to be mean now. You're going to say something mean now. And then he always delivers. So I don't know. But every single time, <laughs> Kyle gets asked to be on the, on the, I almost said court, is almost always asked to be on the wedding party. Either that or MC before too, but 
Yeah, but yeah, it sucks for him. See, now it's gone. Now, now those days are over. All our friends got married, had kids. It's just, yeah. Now yeah, we gotta be emceeing funerals yeah. and stuff, which is sad. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I've been to a wedding. And now I feel like if I were to go to a wedding, I'd be one of those guys that as soon as the money dance starts, I'd be like, okay, let's, uh, let's head out, you know. <laughs> <Just slide on laughs> that's when everybody leaves, right? They get the first dance going and everyone starts standing yeah. up in line for money and then bam, that's when you're out the door. Yeah. You know, I, I think if I went to one now and a friend's getting married, I would enjoy it a lot more because when, it's been a while. But not yeah. only that, when we were all getting, when we were going to all those weddings, it was a bunch at the same time and the same year. Yeah. And you yeah. kind of get just like overworked with, you know, going yeah. to weddings and stuff like that. Now, if it's spaced out, it would be a nice get together, actually. Plus, plus it was expensive, man, because you're like, oh, oh yeah. gotta give money. And we were all young and didn't have any right. money. So yeah. it's like, Sorry, boo. You're not getting very much then money. We'll, then we'll go to Vegas, though. That would be the fun thing for the bachelor yes, party. Yes, that would definitely be the fun thing. We never did do that for you, did we, John? No, no. Bummer. But I, I did Sorry. go to Vegas for, for yeah. kind of yeah, a bachelor Yeah, you had your thing. own. Yeah. And you never invited us, but that's okay. It's, Whatever. <laughs> I'm not hurt. It was a good time. But but <laughs> wait, wait. So so back to the original question. So that movie, yes. movie museum still is there. It's just not open? Yes. Carl, that's uh, right. The the The... The, I see the stuff in the window, and they still have a marquee and whatnot. But I don't believe they're actually open for business. And they would show old. So, they wouldn't they would show, show new old movies. movies. No, yeah. it was all old movies, and you could actually rent it because it's only it was only like eighteen seats, I think. Colin and I walked in oh. there one time. It was only like eighteen seats, and you could huh. you could walk in. They had the seats all. And the funny thing is, the way they have it set up is kind of how like consolidated and stuff has it, you know, right now at this moment. So. They were kind of ahead of their time because this was, gosh, what, 15 years ago? 20 years yeah. ago they started doing that? So, Interesting. yeah. yeah. We peeked okay. in. I think we were on our way to the bar over there. Yeah, Dev, and we peeked in. What is this, bro? We walk inside, we're like, and they're like, oh, hi, do you want to? Oh, no, 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 no. We just like walk around. <laughs> we just want to look. And we walk in the back, we're like, what the hell is this? This is kind of cool. And I was like, oh, bro, I wish I could have these chairs in my house. <laughs> And then it was a because it's a because it's a big screen. It's a wide screen. You can, it was the only time that you could find a wide screen like that to show movies because you know a lot of the movies are shot seventy millimeter, right? It's not right, that right, right, right. scan thing. So if you right. wanted to watch it in full, uh, that was the only way you could see it. Huh. Okay. Well, um, maybe I'll go there one there day. I, I would I'd rent that that out. But then you know you have all these new buildings now, like um, Park Lane and. Uh, IO and yeah, they have their own. They all yeah. have their own theater, right? So if you know somebody yeah. who lives there, you just kind of kind of go in there. So yeah, you know, for the, cool. for the show today, the the um the plan is uh, Tommy's going to be jumping on in a few minutes, but we're going to take a short break in a, in a couple minutes when he's about to come on. And uh, I was able to interview last week Hyrie uh, from well, she's from here. She's Kaneohe girl. Does a lot of reggae music, and uh, she just re released her new um, single called uh, Bonfire. So they reached out, and, uh, but they're doing this uh, kind of press junket. So it was a real short 15-minute uh, interview. We'll have her back to do a full interview, but we're going to cut to her. We'll, we'll let the listeners listen to what she has to say about the new single. And also, it's a very interesting thing because uh, as young people, her and I grew up with a lot of uh, kind of similar issues with social anxiety and bullying and things like that. And so we, we kind of touched the surface of that. And then we'll jump into Tommy Silva at, right after. Okay, so... Um, but before Tommy jumps on, Kyle, I, I know you went fishing the other day. Did you guys catch anything? 
No, but it was really nice. It was like nice night, no wind. No, yeah. Anyway. Just being by the water, you know, just cruising was really nice. But so, yeah, no fish, no fish. No fish. <laughs> <laughs> Devin's laughing because that's his whole point and that's why he doesn't come out fishing. Yeah, but that's not the, you know what, I, I go there knowing that I might not catch anything, not even get a bite, but it's just a nice to be by the water, you know? Yeah, so, I'm Big Island, bro. We gotta, we gotta catch fish. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, Big Island, you always kind of catch something. <laughs> you go, you go, if you're from Big Island, bro, if you fish Big Island, it's hard to fish up here. <laughs> well, my thing is, anyway. I always so okay, so that I can sp explain to our mainland listeners because there are a few, and there's we, I do know there's uh, people from Europe. Hawaiian mm -hmm. style fishing, not not all Hawaiian style fishing, but a good portion of people do what's called dunking where you fish from shore and you have a lead weight that is tied to your line and a hook. So there's a weight and a hook and you cast the weight out and because you're at the beach, it sinks to the bottom of the, of the you know, water and it's on, it's on the ocean floor and it has the bait attached to it and, it, and it, you just kind of wait there until a fish swims by and, and takes a bite and, and hooks on. You it know? goes, hey, what's this sitting down at the bottom of the floor of the yeah. ocean? Maybe I should check it out. So because of the way, the way it's designed, I mean, you throw it out there, you put your pole down, and then you got to just wait. So what a lot of people do is, uh, what I like to do is I bring a little small hibachi, and while you're waiting for a fish to come by, you kind of cooking up some hot dogs or, you know, whatever, and talking story and drinking a cold one and talking, talking story. So that's, so that's Hawaiian-style fishing. It's very social and very revolves around food, which much of Hawaiian culture revolves around food in some, some way. Yes. And where me and John live, we, we live in this, we live right by this magical place called Monoloa Bay, where you literally <laughs> yeah. can ride your, drive your car up to the shoreline, sit in your car and throw out your pole. So right. it's a convenient way of fishing. It's not very practical to catch fish, but it's a convenient way to just fish and be, be someplace relatively safe too at night, you know? Right, and right. So it's a nice place to go with your family at night and just hang out and stuff like that. We we kept our number under five people because there were cops everywhere. So oh really? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that so, that's also that's also makes the place safe though. There's always you know policemen patrolling and you know a lot of activity going on at night and during the day too. So it's it's just a safe place to go. You know, it's not a productive place to go to catch fish, but it's just a safe <laughs> place to go out for real. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, half the half the battle is the company, right? Yeah. That you're spending with people, because it's to me it's similar to um, playing cards. You know, you play cards and you want people over because you you're talking story while people are shuffling, and then you play you know a hand of whatever that lasts for five minutes, and then you're shuffling again, you're talking story, or you know. Yeah. But I, I Asa couldn't make it, huh? Bro, Asa, he was all into it. I'm like, okay, after dinner we're gonna go do it, and then. He got on his Fortnite and that was it. That was it. I was like, "Hey, you want to go?" And he's, "No, I'm good. I'm playing. I'm playing with uh, Connor. He's from Connor." Like, okay. You could have just left. Yeah, I could have. I could have came, but I had a feeling that uh, the result was going to be what it was. You guys weren't going to catch nothing. Exactly. And you know, during the day, it's not not bad because if if uh, Asa wants to, he can go in the water. He can like do stuff. But at night, he's just going to be sitting there. Like he he's not gonna. You know. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so with that, we'll take a quick break and we will have Tommy, well, Hyrie coming in and then Tommy Silva right after that. Okay, so let me uh, just start by saying, 
Hello to our audience. Uh, this is a special portion of the podcast this week because we have Hyrie on the um, podcast for a short interview. We're doing a one-on-one -on -one today. So Hyrie, thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we were talking off air before we came on, but you're located in California right now, right? I am, yep. I'm in San Diego. And I was watching, uh, so what happens is uh, people come on the podcast and I, I Google them and I go to YouTube and there's a lot of content on you and I fell down a Hyrie uh, rabbit hole last night and watched a bunch of stuff. So let's, before we uh, get too far into the weeds, let's talk about the new single. So you have a new single out called Bonfire. And um, yep. uh, I, I went ahead and downloaded it last night uh, legally. I think that's what people do now. I, I don't know. I, everything's changed so much. There's streaming. There's down, I still download stuff yeah. from my iTunes and then I listen to it on my iPod. I still have an iPod. But, I love uh, it. I love it. <laughs> tell me a little bit about the song. Yeah, so the song was interesting because, you know, since the pandemic, I haven't been able to go into a studio and record music. Mm. So, you know, one of my dreams, you know, for the, the past you know, a few years that, that I've been on the road and, and, and touring so heavily, I really wanted to be able to record myself and to get to a point where, you know, the, the type of recording that I could do would, would suffice for a, you know, a single that I yeah. could put out. So, you know, one silver lining about the pandemic was it gave me the time to actually hone in on that craft. So I did you know, I invested in a really nice microphone and I moved into a place with a room that I could dedicate into a music studio and to do all these things that I've, I've only dreamt of doing since I hit the road and didn't really feel like I had the time, you know, to, to do. So now that I have the time, I'm recording my own vocals and, and wow. I'm working at a faster rate, right? So Bonfire is the first song I recorded the vocals for myself and was able to work with a producer and shoot back and forth the ideas and, and the content and and to put this the single together as quickly as we did and to have saved kind of that money going into a studio right, and working right, with right. an engineer and doing all that so it's like I kind of cut out the middleman and, and it's really been like a tap on the like a pat on the back for me because this is something I've always really wanted to do well, so bonfire is special in, in that in that reason for me <laughs> well it sounds wonderful I mean it's got a nice like I don't know the terminology too well, but to me, it's called, it feels like kind of like a dub beat. You know, it's kind of yeah. really like chill and um, yeah. and smooth. You know, so I was listening to it last night, digging digging the sound. So that's amazing. That uh, yeah, you everyone's kind of boning up on some kind of um, new talent or new skill, right? Like uh, yep. because of the pandemic. So uh, I've been baking cookies. So what I've been doing. Nice. So, but <laughs> but uh, I I like that idea of starting to record your own stuff. I, I know that, uh, you know, when you write, uh, you put a lot of your own personal life into your music and whatnot. And so has that always kind of been a, a like a, almost like a therapy for you is the writing of the, of the music? Yes, I, I, I believe so. You know, I, I struggle with communication, <laughs> which is mm. funny, you know, but I've always thought of songwriting is, is kind of like a, like a journal or a diary that you keep. And, you know, in my case, I'm, I'm able to, to project my thoughts out 
loud in a way that I can't in a conversation, you know, like I, I am more introverted than people know. And, and even in this kind of a situation, I find myself stumbling or having a hard time piecing together <laughs> my thoughts. Um, and I have a social anxiety with that. But when I'm on stage and when I write music, it's almost like I'm just a vessel and I'm able to just channel these emotions and these feelings so other people can, you know, take what, what they will from it and, and create their own, their own idea of what it is I'm trying to say. But, you know, for me, it's important that I, I'm always honestly writing my thoughts and, and putting it out there, you know. That's, you know, that, that kind of speaks to me. One day uh, when you have time, you and I just have to talk about social anxiety. Yes. Because uh, I have the same problem. You know, I tell people all the time, a lot of musicians have that. And I think yeah. that's why they become musicians because for me, when, when I used to, when I was younger, like you'd get invited to a party or, or some kind of event and I always feel very awkward just going into an event and try to mingle and talk to people. But if I have something to do, then yeah. it, it kind of gives you a, a way to kind of break conversation. And so if I'm going there because I'm playing music, then that gives me like something to do at, at a social event versus just standing there and being social. Like if I just had to stand and talk to people, it, it's really weird. Let me ask you this. Because I, I don't have real problems with uh, with one like if you and I were just sitting there, like we're having lunch, I could definitely talk, and I don't have problems being on stage and talking to a lot of people. But it's that mid range of like eight to ten people in a small group. I, I I get real, it's real difficult for me. Is that you too, or do you have problems with everything? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know, I had these things on tour. I was doing um, it was the uh, we called it the acoustic bus pass. Okay. And it was like a VIP thing, and there were only 10 people allowed on there. So they sold out every night because, you know, it's only, it's only 10. Right. But I, I, I felt so responsible for how all 10 people felt, more than I would if I was looking at 2,000 people. It's like, right. well, <laughs> you know, generally speaking, they're having a great time. But when there's only 10 people in front of you, and you're, like, responsible in a sense for the outcome of, of this session or this this acoustic bus pass then I feel really I start honing in on each 10 people and their emotions and I'm like you know what what one would call an empath so I'm constantly absorbing energy and I'm constantly caring if not over caring about what people think and maybe I'm even generalizing or over generalizing or coming up with my own you know opinions and views but when there's only 10 people I'm just like okay they look like their their eyes are starting to wander. Maybe I need to do this, but then they're so into it. Maybe I need to just focus on them, or you know. And then I find myself being really like emotionally like abs like absorbed and yeah. triggered. And then right. at the end of the night, I spend a few hours just trying to wring wring those emotions <laughs> back out of me, you know. And it, it's it's funny because it, in retrospect, now I I don't see anyone. And right, right. I'm, I'm at home and I'm having to work inwards instead of outwards because I'm no longer able to just give my energy away. Now I'm stuck with this ball of energy and I'm like, what do I do with this? <laughs> you know, and it's almost worse because I'm just stuck here like, you know, I need to get out on the road. <laughs> well, at least you're turning it into something positive, right? You have the single yeah. out. Is this going to be leading to more, uh, more music coming this our way? Yeah, one thousand percent. I'm um, I'm trying to work on as much music as I can with the goal, you know, being dropping a new single every every month or two months, you know, as fast as we can. But obviously, with with 
love and care for for the art of, of it course. and but it's it's you know what what else can an artist do right now and um i can't perform necessarily we we do live streams yeah but um you know they're not free and, and at the, the level of production that i, I like to throw it you sure. know it's something that i have to plan for a month or two so right now all i can do is just release music and and keep people listening so that's just kind of the goal right now well we have a little bit of time so so because yeah we do i kind of want to i kind of want to uh touch base or, or ask about I know your local girl. You got the Kane Ohe tattoo, which I love on your arm. And, and but you started your career really. I mean, you. It seems like you're always into music, but you seem you moved to the California and you started your career there. And then see, because people come out of of everywhere, and and I don't know where they start. And so, was that a conscious decision to go there to start your your music? Or I know that. Um, no. It, it wasn't, it wasn't that, it wasn't like that. It was, uh. you know, I, I grew up in Hawaii and I needed a change of scenery. So I actually moved, I moved to Houston, Texas. And okay, uh, okay. I worked at a Hobby Lobby out there with my boyfriend, <laughs> who's now my husband. Nice. And uh, we just kind of lived super cruise. We, we had no, like, no motives, no drives, except just that we were having the time of our lives and, and, uh, then my parents and my sister, they had moved to California, to San Diego. Oh, oh I see. Okay. And I got the invitation, you know, come live with us. We're going to move to Cali. And I thought, well, why not? You know, I've, I've always grown up with a family that traveled. So the thought of moving to California was intriguing. Okay. So Jamie and I packed all our stuff into the Honda and we moved to San Diego. And uh, I started just doing the open mic circuit, basically. Like I was just... I wasn't really trying to go into music at that point in my life. And I was, uh -huh. I was only, I was 19, 20, now I was 20. And then uh, my husband had proposed to me and we found out two weeks after he proposed that I was six weeks pregnant. Okay. okay so, so then I was pregnant and I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like I haven't even like, I didn't go to college. I was just trying to like, you know pull the euro card like take a couple years you know take a couple years off and just explore but then boom that hit me so you know i i put i put basically any any dreams sure. i sure. had on hold on my music i was still songwriting but my husband was the one who you know graduated with marketing and he got a great job in downtown san diego all the oh, things wonderful. he thought he wanted yeah suit and tie high-rise building and um i just started like writing more specifically these songs that I thought, oh my gosh, where is this coming from? Like Sensi Boy was one of them. And right, right. I thought, man, I, maybe I have a thing going. Maybe I can really pursue this. So Jamie's always been, you know, Jamie and my husband, I mean, my husband and my dad have always been my number one fans. And they were like, why not put a little demo together? So I did a little research and um, I really loved this reggae band called Tribal Seeds. Okay, yeah. Um, okay. And, you know, they're a smash in Hawaii. So I, I found out that one of their musicians you know lived in san diego was a producer he was willing to work with me on a demo so this idea of, of doing like a three four song ep turned into a full-length album mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. this is all coming out of like i my daughter was only two you know or she was like 16 months i was still breastfeeding that, that, that's a that's a tough time to be doing all of this yeah <laughs> and i went in and he's like i really believe in you and i was just like man i was just trying to get these songs on you know, in physical right, form, right, I wasn't right, really right. thinking much of it. 
and he you know linked me up with tribal seeds and tribal seeds said we'd love to take you on tour we're not going to give you much right. but we'd love to bring you on the road so for a hundred bucks a show you know they invited me on my first tour it was two months long and i had to put a band together just to go on tour <laughs> so everything was obscured right and none of it was planned none of it it was just i was just saying yes and following the steps and so I, I put a band together and we went on our first national tour and then we grew 3,000 fans off that one tour mm -hmm. and then it became 6,000, 9,000, 12,000. Like we just didn't stop and literally it's been seven years of just touring and, and being super grateful for all the opportunities that have unfolded. But it, you know, it, it, none of it was conscious. It was just follow, follow your gut, follow your heart. And I just, you know, my husband had quit his job really early on and, and we just put everything we had into Hyrie. Well, I think beyond that, the part that, that you're being a little bit humble about is I can definitely tell that you're passionate about what you're doing. I mean, it comes through in the music, but also, you know, for someone who has a two-year-old uh, daughter and lovely family, I mean, I, I saw on the, on the docs, so, but also to pursue a career and do the work that it takes to, to get there, right? Do the tours, yeah. do all the... Um, hundred dollar like to, to show up kind of thing and then you got to pay the band so your cut is 25 dollars by the time we're, we're done or whatever yeah, it is right no no like, hear, right? hear me out right now the, the band and i we agreed from the very beginning we make the same right so right. none of us made anything we all <laughs> took home zero dollars for the first i want to say first three years of hyrie zero the only right. thing we did was we never paid for our own hotel rooms. And in the beginning, we had to pay for our own food. But about after the three-year mark, we started making $25 a show. And that was just per diem, right? That was just food. Then it was 50 75 100 I swear <laughs> to God, we're not that much further now. We're at like 175 each when we right, go on right. tour. But everything is covered. And when we do private shows and everyone makes a bigger amount or this or that. But, you know... Yeah, it, it's just, it is insane looking back and even now, like. Yeah, uh, but for you to do all that, all, all that hard work, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't want to do it, you know, or they're going to say like, no, I got to get paid X amount or whatever. But, yeah, you know, the, the first few years, you're building your audience, you're building your fan base and just sharing the music. And then when, when the audience understands that you're passionate about what you're doing, they'll come out and support you, you know, and that's when that's when it all kind of kicks into gear. So it's just super nice to see that happening for you. Thank you. Yeah, you, you have to really make sure that the people in your circle, you, your band, your management, your booking agent, that yeah. everyone truly believes enough in, in what's coming so that they're right. not constantly milking the present moment. Like, oh, you know, this, you know, like this live stream that we, we recently did, it was a pretty high production. And I was like, but you know what? The value is going to pull through. And we were just hoping to break even at that point. And, and uh -huh. we did. But if you look at what we spent, it's, it's crazy because, you know, people would think, why, you, why would you go that far? And it's like, well, because you're, you're creating something that's going to be really emotionally powerful. And, and I think that's what people need right now. Yes, I could just throw up a uh, iPhone camera on a tripod and, and do a live stream and it'll, it'll be cool, you know, but right. when you bring in videographers that are passionate, you bring in a lighting crew that's passionate, a lighting company that's your biggest fans that are willing to give you something that they would throw up on a festival, 
Right. You know, right, 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 and then right. like you go to the local nursery and you pick up all these tropical plants <laughs> and you know you can't return it. So <laughs> kind of winning. <laughs> but, you know, the little things, it adds up to something that's even bigger. And, and that's what I think is, is when you're when you're planning for the future, when you're seeing the bigger picture, you cannot you cannot take, take, take from from the little things, you know. Yeah. Well, it all shows and everything you do. I mean, uh, it's super impressive and we really enjoy the music down here at, back in uh, Honolulu. So uh, I know that uh, you have a, a heart out. So let's see, where can people find you? Let's, see, let's give a, so the, the single is Bonfire. Where can people download or support you with that? So um, definitely we have a music video coming out uh, oh, pretty, pretty okay, soon, okay, really okay. soon actually. Um, but if you would like to support just, you know, pre, pre um not not even pre-save it's out already just add it to your playlist uh you can download it it's on all all the outlets spotify pandora itunes apple yeah i yeah. feel the same way sometimes i'm like how do people even download their music <laughs> <laughs> yeah who knows um, right uh, yeah but yeah uh, but you know all those ways and and i still run all my social media platforms so if you hit me up on instagram wow. that's me wow, facebook that's, that's me like yeah, I'm I'm still very heavily you know involved and independent. So any support goes smiles for us. And it's at Hyrie at both, right? Hyrie music, yeah. Hyrie music, H I R I E music at yeah Facebook yeah. and Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Hyrie, okay. for coming on, and we really appreciate you uh, just spending some time. And we will have you back one day to do a full hour length. Very on. soon, very soon. <laughs> so we'll say hello to our listeners. Thank you. And we'll be back to our show in a second. Okay, we're back here with uh, Mr. Tommy Silva of TNT Tinting. Tommy is uh, the president and CEO of the company and started the company back in, I believe, 1982. Yes. So it's been a little while, but I can say that I was around back in 1982. So, so I'm, <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been around as long as uh, TNT Tinting. But a young pup. Yeah, yeah that's right. But uh, <laughs> they do all kinds of tinting. So... Was it a lot of people think about the automotive tinting, right? But you guys also do commercial uh, buildings, things of that nature, and whatnot. And I had a couple of, of business questions just because I, I like uh, business topics. But you know, for you, I guess let's start with just uh, how you you're a local boy, right? Born and raised here, born and raised, third generation, born and raised. And did you start? I mean. Was it like what are these guys that I know that do these side hustles where they do t car tinting and then you just built it into a full business? Is, is that how TNT Tinting started? Um, I actually started way back in, in high school. I was doing it as a hobby, uh, just yep. tinting people's uh, friends' cars and my teachers' cars. And that's how I was passing Pro City High School, just getting my teachers' cars <laughs> tinted instead of work. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. So it was a hobby. Um, I like doing it. I kind of just learned it by trial and error. There's really nobody doing it back then. It was not even legal yet. It wasn't even something that the Department of Transportation or anybody had their eye on. They didn't know what it was. Uh, so we, you know, we started doing it as you know, just a, just for fun. And um, after I graduated from high school in '78 from Pro City, um, I had three jobs. I was dishwasher at a, a smaller restaurant in Pearl City. I was working at the Aloha Stadium for Canteen Corporation, running a concessions, uh, doing the stock and all that for all the inventory. And then I was, I was tinting on the side. My sister saw a, a want ad for an uh, experienced autoglass tinner. She said, hey, you should check this out. 
So I went and I applied and a guy hired me and he was a guy from Canada that was, he said he was from Canada anyway. <laughs> and um, he had a bunch of film in his condo in university area. And he put a yellow page ad in the yellow pages and kind of forgot about it. Then the book came out and his phone started ringing for auditing. So he didn't have a tenor, but he had film. And so he hired me and I was his uh, only employee. And that company was called At Home Autoglass Tinting. Oh. So he had a little Mazda GLC stuffed with the film. And after he came down uh, the elevator, looked at my car the day he was hiring me, he's, he saw the tint on my car. He gave me a clipboard and said, you're hired. Go to these people's houses and go tint these three cars. So I, I started mobile tinting for that guy for a couple of years until we opened up a couple of shops. It was pretty, pretty funny. Uh, I came to work one day when we went with two locations for at-home autoglass tinting. Okay. And I had a new book. I had a new boss. The guy who hired me was gone, and I had a new boss overnight. And um, the, the short story to that was the guy that hired me originally, he was here from New Jersey on the, in the uh, witness protection program. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the guys that uh, were looking for him found out that he was here, came here overnight. He sold the company and left. And wow. the guy who bought that company overnight um, was some – kind of a shady contractor and he started taking all the money out of the company just because it was a lucrative company and and he you know our paycheck started bouncing and I come to work and turn on the lights and there's no lights because he didn't pay the electricity and you know, oh. the phones were quiet there's no dial tone he didn't pay the, the phone, bill. phone bill it was just a, a bad you know chain of events that led up to me leaving and opening TNT Tinting back in 1982 brought a couple of employees that were at that company at, at home to, to TNT and um, started all over again. We, you know, started mobile, and then you know, one shop, two shop, and just kept growing. And then we were doing cars only at that time until about late '80s. Then we started doing homes. We started doing uh, commercial buildings, uh, doing work for the government, doing bomb blast films. Uh, in the 2000s, we started doing all the graphic tinting that we're doing now with the etched films and all of that. Mm -hmm. so we just kept expanding on you know any kind of. Anything that we could put film on, we would just, you know, find any ways to wrap cars and, and do, you know, just anything. We, we just any, any, we wallpaper walls with vinyl that's printed with, with designs. Um, pretty much anything to put film on something, we, we kind of just expanded into that. And so now we have two locations, two locations here at the airport, um, 3035 Kopaka, and our satellite shop down on uh, uh, Kauai House Street. That one just does autos. Uh, but this okay. store here, main location handles all the residential, commercial graphics, and all the tinting. Okay, so you're doing um, vinyl wrapping too now, you guys got into Yeah, um, mostly clear uh, paint protection films for new cars. Oh, okay. We, we dabbled a little bit in the, the vinyl wrapping on cars, and more we're kind of leaning towards doing like corporate identity for like vans and you know business vehicles and stuff like that. The, the color change stuff is, is a different business. That's a different animal. That's a lot more time consuming and um we tried it and it, it takes too much time uh so we backed off of that and do more corporate identity you know delivery vans and stuff like that with corporate logos phone numbers and all that um so that's been lucrative um the, the paint protection film is very very popular now it's getting uh, we're way behind the mainland the mainland has been doing like full car wraps with the clear urethane yeah. to protect rock chips and all that for like five to ten years already we're just getting into that and it's funny 
heating here is a more popular thing to do for a new car. I mean, we just had a, a brand new Ferrari Leaf today that was wrapped. Wow. Uh, Another one was uh, RDX uh, Acura. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's getting more popular now. So, yeah, we're kind of dabbling in that. So, when you wrap the car um, with a clear pin to urethane. avoid urethane, to avoid scratching and stuff like that, how do you polish yeah. the car or keep it really clean? No need. It has a hydrophobic coating on that material, so you really don't have to. Um, you can just, you know, run them through a car wash once a month or so, and it'll clean it right up. Yeah. It's, oh, cool. it's, it's, it's self-healing, yeah. So if there's scratches that, you know, the, if the film scratches at high speed when a rock hits in and scratches the film, yeah. the, sun, the sun actually melts it together and then the scratches disappear. It's wow. a self-healing material. Awesome. Yeah, it's super high-tech. Yeah, it's, it's kind of perfected now. And it comes with a 10-year warranty from the manufacturer. So um, it's getting more and more popular now. Yeah, we like it. it it's fun. By the way, so, Kyle, what, do you know what hydrophobic means? Um, I would say something to do with water that you're afraid of. Yeah, <laughs> re repels water. Very good. You know what the opposite of hydrophobic is? Dryophobic. It's hydrophilic, which means it attracts water. What are you doing? You're looking uh, at a computer right now? No, That's no, fun. no. This is the one thing that I remember from teaching uh, ninth grade science. Oh, <laughs> hydrophobic and hydrophilic. Yeah. Glad there was something. Yeah. I thought I was. Yeah. You, Otherwise, right? forget it. I, I forgot everything already. It's been too long. But uh, so, uh, Tommy, you guys do mostly cars, but is there anything else that, is there any surprising thing that you, you're going to tell me like that, uh, oh, you know, John, we do car tinting, but you know, the, where we make our most business is actually glass bottom fishing boats. You know, there's so <laughs> many glass bottom fishing boats that get this tent on them or something like that, that you would never think. Because you guys do, when you think about commercial buildings, those are huge pieces of film, right? And, um, but everyone just associates you guys with cars, I think. Well, the average yeah. person. But, uh, but is there, besides these wraps and stuff, is there something out there that is kind of unusual that you think, oh, I didn't even know they tinted that kind of stuff? Actually, we have a lot of very cool uh, kind of exclusive products that nobody else can get their hands on but us because we got the exclusivity for it. And the newest one is called Cool View Transitional Films. And these are films that we can put, they, they come, you know, three, four, five, uh, six feet wide and okay. rolls for about three feet. So we can do uh, retrofit it to any window and it's photograph. It's like the, the glasses that go from clear to dark from the, in the indoors going in, outdoor in the sun. So really cool uses for that is like you know, when you get older, you get pretty much night, night blindness. You get a hard time to see at night, yeah, yeah, as you get old. I mean, that's where I'm getting. You guys young yet. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, so people that get older, they're afraid to tint their cars because they don't want that blind, that, that darkness on the windows at night when they're driving. But they need the protection during the day. So these cool view films, um, they're, they can go clear at night and down to 35% during the day. And it's a ceramic product, too. So it blocks like 60% of the heat, all the UV rays uh, when the sun's out. But then at night, when the, when the sun goes down, and even when it's cloudy and rainy and the UV doesn't hit the glass, it stays clear. Wow. So a real safe film for people like that that's really high tech. Um, another really good use for it is like the back of an SUV. So your car comes, most of the like, explorers and stuff like that come with a privacy glass in the back. The two front doors is clear because of the federal laws. There's different state laws all over the country. So they can't do the two front doors as dark as the back on the SUV, so it's clear. So people come in and they want to take the two front to get protection, 
Um, but the back, they say, you know, oh, it's tinted already, but that is just a colored glass. So it provides glare reduction and privacy, but doesn't cut heat and doesn't cut UV like our films do. Hmm. So we can put that cool view over the back glass and it won't make it much darker at night, but during the day it'll darken down and cut more heat and UV. Huh. So that's another really good use for it. Because if you go a long driveway and you put dark tint on the privacy glass, man, when you're backing down that driveway, you're going to take out mailboxes, garbage yeah. cans, and everything else is just history. <laughs> so you can't <laughs> see Yeah. So, so it's really a very cool film um, that we have exclusive rights to that, you know, it's catching on, and it's something that people don't even know about that we have. I had a question about um, the application of tinting nowadays. Has it changed from back in the day? Because I'm a Pro City grad too, 87 from Pro City. So, you know, oh, wow. I was at a holiday mark, grab that purple tint, yeah, and <laughs> unroll it, and, and squeegee it on with soap, and the next day we'd have all bubbles, and I'll be driving around my Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> but has it changed over the day with applications and stuff? Both, both the material and the application processes have changed um, dramatically. I mean, I mean, when I started tinting, I mean, the film would come out of the box. There was no liner on it. There was no adhesive on the film. You could actually put it on the window either way, yeah, but yeah. You, have to mix your own, mix, you have to mix your own adhesive, a powder that you mix. It kind of looked like Elmer's glue when you're done as a mess. You have to spray it on the film with no put that on the glass to squeeze yeah. it, and you got this white glue dripping all over everything. So that's when I started back in the 70s. You know, I mean, they were, the film sucked. I mean, it really sucked. And it would turn purple, like you said, yeah. in, you know, six months to a year, it would turn pink or purple. Um, so the technology on the materials has gotten to the point now where it's, you know, it's real high-end ceramic materials that are permanent. I mean, they don't change color. They don't distort. They don't bubble. They don't peel. I mean, the films we use now from Formula One, they come with a nationwide transferable lifetime warranty material labor. So, I mean, that's forever. I mean, it, it's as huh. long as you own the car, you can move to, you know, Florida. You can keep it for 10 more years in Florida. You can sell it to somebody in Florida, and they still have a lifetime warranty. So, I mean, it's a really long warranty because the films don't change anymore. They don't fail. Um, and then on the uh, installation side, you're talking, Kyle, you know, we used to, like you said, pull a film out, cut it by, you know, with a razor blade and squeegee yeah. it all down and all that. Um, the only thing that's similar is the squeegee. I mean, now we just punch in, you know, 2020 Accord four door, all the windows come up on the computer, you plot it how you want, you stick the roll in the machine, and the, the machine cuts out every single window perfectly for us. Oh, no way. That's cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like very that. little waste, very little waste, that bugger no grumble, no complain, no call in sick, <laughs> no that is at work every day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no ask for raises. Uh, the plotter is amazing, man. It just cuts, cuts, cuts. I mean, it would take me, uh, you know, if you're an expert, you can cut out a car by hand, you know, in about 45 minutes to an hour to do it right. You stick one roll, you know, to roll in the plotter and, and hit the, the Accord four door or whatever car you keep plotting, it cuts it in like 30 seconds. You know, so productivity is there. And then, you know, like when you make clothing, you know, you, you kind of group everything and you, and you nest everything real close together so there's no waste. Yeah. I mean, we used to pull a piece of film, put it over a window, and this triangle part on the roll-up, you cut that off, that falls on the ground. Yeah. You know, and you pull another piece to do the vent instead of using a piece on the ground. Yeah. And, and so, it, you know, it was so much more uh, efficient. I mean, we get like 80, 85% efficiency off a roll now because of the plotters. Wow. Yeah, so, it, I mean, lots have changed with, with uh, you know, the, not just the installation, procedures but the material quality and and because of um 
I mean, just the environment is getting so much hotter and so much more humid. Films, you know, that are substandard, they really don't last long anymore. I mean, they, they start failing fast. And they're still out there. There's still people using and, and installing, you know, sub, subpar materials just because it's cheap. Mm. Uh, and it's not, film is not film. You got you to gotta yeah. check. Were, were you, well, did you guys do the, oh, so go ahead. No, no. Uh, one of the other cool things that I, I don't know if the two of you know, but uh, Tommy and TT Tinting has been the, they've been the driving force behind why, you know, tinting was made into a sort of a, a not legal, but you know, the, he made it and went through, went through all the work to make sure that yeah, it's legal, that, that it's, too. Wrote the yeah, he, <laughs> it's a bit scary, man. Oh. But he wrote the laws and helped get everything oh. said, and I mean, pushed everything through himself I because mean, that, there were other that companies rewind, that weren't down for that. That's rewinding back to the at-home days, and then <laughs> the last tinting days, right? About seventy-nine, eighty, I started, you know, venturing out on my own, and then I opened TNT, 80, 82. 82, yeah, headlines in the paper it said legislature will ban all auto tinting. Oh. So my wife looks at me, you know, Terry, you know, my wife, uh, uh, Devin, you know, Terry, right? Yes, and, of course. Uh, John, I think John met Terry before too. Uh -huh. She looked at me back then and she's like, wait a minute, we just invested all our wedding money in this company because you've been tinting for four or five years and all of a sudden we're going to open our own. And they're going to ban tinting? <laughs> what, the, and what, what the hell? You know, so when we did our research, we found out that Hawaii was the only state out of all 50 states that didn't have an aftermarket tinting law on the books. Mm -hmm. Every other state, Michigan, Minnesota, they could be up in a freezing tundra up there, and they still had one window tinting law. Hawaii, you know, we always 20 years behind, right? You know, right, right. So we, <laughs> we, never, we never had an auto tinting law on the books. So what we had to do, um, well, first of all, we had to shut down because uh, they're, they're going to ban it. Uh, and we legally couldn't put 35% film on a car because if you don't have a state law, we found out, the law reverts to the federal, which is what they make the car at from the factory. So it's 70%, which is really clear on a you know, four-door car. You can't make it any darker than that unless you have an aftermarket tint law, which we never had. Uh, so we had to stop working because everything that we were doing wasn't legal in Hawaii. So um, I hired a lobbyist, uh, Tim Lyons from Hawaii Business League. And we started doing research and we found out, okay, well, we're the only ones sticking out of the sore thumb. So we drafted a bill based on Arizona, New Mexico, Texas's law. We kind of took all the best parts of everybody's laws, wrote our bills, and, and then we got them um, through the legislature, through the House and the Senate, got it all passed uh, through 82 to 83, that whole legislative session, it was a whole year. Got it to Ariyoshi, George Ariyoshi's um, desk. Uh, to sign, and I have a video on YouTube about all this. It's it's kind of funny actually, mm -hmm. because right when Ariyoshi had it on his desk to sign, the day that it was going to expire and die, he was getting pressure from HPD to let it die because they didn't want to enforce it. Oh, so he didn't know what thirty five percent because it was just numbers on a bill. You sure. know what that was? It was was it black? Was I'm gonna? Well, am I gonna sign something that's gonna be detrimental to the state? You know, the safety of the people. So he didn't know what it was. So I had our lobbyists get in touch with people that knew the governor, and I arranged he arranged a meeting for me to go down to the state capitol with my tinted car, pick up Governor Ariyoshi, and take him around 
downtown and drive around so you could see what it looked like looking out and step out of the car and look in to see the driver. Wow. And we did that right about five, six o'clock uh, that, that last evening before it was going to die at, at midnight. And he got in the car and he said, you know, I feel safe that this film is okay. It's not too dark. So he went in and signed it into law that day. So he, he would have died that night. Wow. How did 35 percent huh? the norm? Uh, how did, because how did you come up with that percentage? About 45 com uh, states across the mainland had that number already. Ah. So that was kind of the precedence was already set, yeah. Okay. But you can't do the passenger or driver's side at 35. Is that correct? Or you can't go darker than 35? Can't go lower than 35, yeah. So like 20% yeah. yeah. is less light coming in, so that's a darker film. So 35 is the, the maximum or minimum visible light transmission is the, the term. Okay, so how does the... um. I mean, how do people get away with that super black, blacked out dark tint that you can't see? And I mean, are the only, only, <laughs> only Tacomas on the island get the pass or something? I mean, I always see like four, four wheel drive Tacomas with the black out. Right. Like, I mean, they, the get him started. No, it, it's amazing. <laughs> we've never, we've never like that. Uh, John's quite illegal. Eh? <laughs> yeah, we've never done one car uh, illegal that way. It's, it's, I don't know how to get away with it. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's super dangerous. Um, you can get in a, an accident really easily. Black film all the way around, nighttime or raining. You cannot see somebody in a crosswalk. And I was actually hired as an expert witness in two cases already about that. Wow. And it wasn't our work, but people that get it done somewhere else. And, you know, they, they put illegal film on thinking it's cool. And then you let your, you know, your teenage daughter drive the car and she can't see out and she takes somebody out in a crosswalk. It's just scary. You know? yeah. So, I mean, it's. They get away with it. The safety check guys, they slide them by until they get caught. And, you know, it's just, it's like everything else. Yeah. Mm. Uh, one other, one other interesting note that you didn't hear at the beginning of his story, or I need to reiterate at the beginning of the story. <laughs> when Tommy and Terry got married. And the only reason I know this stuff is because I got to hear all the history because I actually emceed their, uh, their anniversary thing, their anniversary party. But they used their wedding money to start the company. Wow. Hey man, that's the way to do it. Yeah, oh, small <laughs> wedding and either so, go buy a house or, or start a business. I'm I'm hundred percent behind that. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's impressive. <laughs> Excellent. It, it was impressive yeah. that they did that. It was impressive that they did that. Well, okay. Speaking, well, spe speaking of business, I know that uh, things have been um, complicated. I guess if you can put it that way, over the last few months. And uh, I know you've been on the news talking, but uh, have you felt like small business has been being heard lately or is it still kind of at odds with what's going on with the shutdowns and the semi-openings and the this and the that? There's no listening. There's no listening to small business. The mayor's mm -hmm. office, Ige's office, they, they do not listen to us. They don't care. They, mm -hmm. they appear to not care at all because the things that they're doing is not only unfair, but totally discriminatory. Mm. I mean, totally knee-jerk reaction, discriminatory. I mean, they don't even understand what our businesses do and if we're, doing, if we're posing any kind of risk, risk to the public or employees. They just shut us all down. Well, I was going to say, I mean, like, uh, if, you're, if you have a robot cutting the, the films and then you have uh, one guy putting on the – what kind of interaction are people really having with your people when you're doing the tinting? Well – Put it this way, to open up after the first shutdown, which was seven weeks long, yeah. we had to 
we had to impose all of these CDC requirements with the plastic shields and the mask and social distancing and all the stickers and close our customer bathroom, close our customer waiting room, close our showrooms, lock the doors, only work by appointment. People pull up, see a sign, says, we are open, but the door's locked. Call this <laughs> number. Yeah, call this number. Everything opposite to what you learned about in, in customer service school. Sure. Exact opposite. You know, we took away the, the comfortable chairs in the waiting room and the massage chairs and the flat screen TV and the free Wi-Fi and the free coffee, all gone. You know, so wait in the parking lot in the hot sun, call us from out there. You know, our, front, our, our phone rings on the front desk. Phones are ringing crazy. We get seven, six or seven cars pulling at the same time. The girls are answering the phone and we've we got to tell them, okay, be patient. We're going to bring you in one at a time. So we'll escort them in one at a time, deal with them, send them all. You know, they, they drop and go. We bring the car in. They leave. So, you know, we can have 10 cars in here at one time like we did today. Not one customer in the building. Nobody's here. Mm. Right. You know, and our employees are working on cars, and the cars are 10, 12 feet long, and they're all, you know, spaced out and wearing masks. And, you know, so it's a very safe environment, and we temperature check every employee and every customer before we even talk to them every day. You know, so we do, we're doing everything possible, but they shut us down. So they sh we, we implemented all those procedures after our first seven-week shutdown. We were open for like four months and our sales were going back up. We're, we're gaining some, some momentum and making up for some lost time. And then this thing happens where in 36 hours, Mayor Caldwell says, you're closing. On a Tuesday, he said, Thursday, you're closing. We're like, what? We got appointments booked out for weeks. What the, you know? So we shut down again for a, a two weeks that became a month. Right. And then we reopened this past Thursday with the same stuff, you know, all the same requirements, <laughs> nothing changed, nothing changed, except we lost $100,000 a week for being closed. Right, right. You know, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I had to put all 30 employees on unemployment. I mean, that's another load to the system that was unnecessary. They still haven't gotten a dime yet. You know, they're still waiting for pay. You know, I paid their medical while we were shut down again. Right. You know, the first seven weeks, I paid for almost two months of medical there. I paid another month of medical for this last shutdown just to keep them on. on med I mean, it's a pandemic. If they get sick and they don't want medical because they're not working, right. that's not right. So it's just been really, it, it's, they don't think about what they're doing. They, you know, they throw a rock in the pond. They don't even look at where the ripples are going. They have no clue what they're doing. It's yeah. sad. Not the only one talking about it. There's so many businesses that have the same problems exact same problem yeah it's funny because uh i've had friends on on all sides of every political spectrum and, and there's uh you know if you have a small business it's just been real difficult just no matter who, who you are what you're doing so. well, you guys entertainers i mean if you oh know, yeah i mean I, I feel so sorry for all my buddies that are like you know all trying to do zoom concerts and trying to go venmo and trying to make a few bucks you know, I mean, it, it's it's a whole new world, and some of them are making okay, and most of them are not. I mean, and, and you know, it's just it's just really sad, man. Yeah, I can tell you on the music side, it is it is really bad. I think most guys, you know, they, they won't they won't express it very well because you know it, it's it's a sole Personal. proprietor kind of thing too. Like you know, I, I mean, so. I feel like a lot, a lot of them, they're, because it's only them, they figure out ways to make ends meet, you know, but you're in a little bit of a different situation that you have employees, right? So not only are you affected, but the people that you employ then become affected. So you have a double whammy of like, 
uh, I got to worry about myself, but then I got to worry about other people too, which and I think I is even harder. Yeah. 15,000 square foot building here and a 5,000 <laughs> square foot building downtown, I guess they're going to pay rent and insurance and utilities and internet and spectrum. And I mean, everybody you pay all this stuff to for phones and all that, that doesn't go away. Right. You know, I mean, you know, so we don't, we don't have any revenue coming in, but all the bills are still coming in and those got to get paid. Right. You know, right. the inventory that we ordered before we were told 36 hours we got to shut down. I had it. I, because of the pandemic, the ceramic material that is our number one product for cars was in, in it was diminishing the supply on the mainland because the oh. factories had shut down right. because of, of pandemic. So I heard about that. So I ordered a bulk because our sales were going like this to that four months when it would be opened after the seven week shutdown. So we, our sales are going up. I'm hearing we're going to run out of material. So I'm like, okay, well, I got to grab all I can find so that we can continue growing and, and right. get back to 100% or better because it's summertime, it's hot. We're busy normally. So I ordered two huge pallets of this film, one for each shop, for a total of $85,000 this material <laughs> cost me, these two pallets. It's going to last us about two to three months you know, yeah. in, in material for the cars. So they both show up and... Our brilliant mayor says we're gonna shut down the day the day we got those two pallets. The next day he said we're shutting down on Tuesday, Thursday. You know, so I had no time to sell this material. That's net thirty. Right. It's right. due right now. I gotta pay eighty five thousand dollars right now for material that we just started selling on Thursday. You know, so it's very um, short sighted. And 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 my stuff is not, is manini. You know, right. Right. I don't sell my film. It's not. Perishable. I, I was going to say, at least it's not like tomatoes or it, something. Or you know? look at the <laughs> florists, the Nabi floral and all those florists that brought in all these flowers and then one and a half days later, you got to close for a month. What are you doing? The flowers all die. You got to throw them away. You know, they had $75,000 worth of flowers coming mm. that died. Yeah. You know, then all the fish markets and, you know, uh, Taniokas, he couldn't even project how much fish to bring in because... You know, it was he was throwing more in the dumpster than than was selling. You yeah. know, so it's sad to um, it's sad to even try and I, I don't know how they where they get their thinking from. Who are they talk? Who are they talking to? You know, he said he was speaking to um the mayor and the governor said it here talking to a panel of business owners. Found out it was all big box, you know, Walmart executives and Costco and Sam's Club and all those guys. That's the kind of executives he's talking to. Mm. They don't have a problem. They're thriving. They're open. Right, right, right. You know, talk to the salon, salon owners and the auto detail shops and the, the barber shops and the restaurant owners and the, and the musicians. You know, talk to those guys. Don't talk to the people that are open. Well, as someone, who, as someone who's in the mix, I mean, you've been very vocal and, and, and out there. What kind of solutions have the, have the, the business sides been proposing as far as uh, – because I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in there – to, to hear these kind of things. So like would it be we've proposed amongst yeah. our groups and yeah. um, our, our be vocal um, uh, group that we, we have online and stuff. I mean, it, it's just a lot of good ideas have come from collaborating and Charlie Iona from the Mel and Charlie show. Yeah. He came up, he came up with an idea along with um, at the, a couple days before uh, former governor Ben Cayetano also came up with the same idea to utilize the placard system they use for restaurants, you know, do that for COVID. So if your shop is, you know, approved and you're doing what we're doing, 
you get a green placard that says you're COVID green, man. Come on in. You know, mm. if there's a complaint, somebody says, hey, man, there's 40 people in a lunchroom over there drinking beer. Hey, that's a problem. You know, there's a party. You know, give them a yellow packet and say, you need to stop that. You know, fix it. You got 24 hours. And if they don't fix it, you got a red and you're closed. Mm. You know, close that business. Don't right, close right. all businesses because the mayor had a luncheon that screwed everybody up. Right, right, right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> For real, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's the facts. I mean, they, they have not fessed up. The, the, the mayor's office and the governor's office have, has not admitted any wrongdoing to the, the contact tracing thing yet. They blew that. They're supposed to have 200 plus contact tracers. When that whistleblower came out, there were nine. Mm -hmm. Nine. The governor has $300 million in CARES Act money to help businesses right now. Not using it. He's going to end up giving it back to the federal government if he does not utilize it for something. He's right. sitting on it. You know, they, they, there's no apology or anything about the poor uh, uh, enforcement for the 14-day quarantine. That's a mess. People are coming in saying, yeah, 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 going to a hotel. And the next day they're out at the beach. Nobody's checking on them. Yeah, I you know, think so if they did their jobs, we would not be in a position we're at now where all these businesses are folding for good. And, and, and yeah, and it's happening. I mean, um, it is. yeah, you're starting to see more and more of it. I thought at the beginning of this thing, you know, I think, you know, Hawaii's pretty conservative uh, state as far as uh, people here. They don't leverage themselves too much, at least from my experience on the real estate side. And so I thought, mm -hmm. okay, you know, if this is a, you know, two, three month kind of thing, but yeah, well, here we are at uh, month nine or you know, whatever it is. Seven, eight months, yeah. Yeah, so even the most conservative uh, analysis, analysis would be to have, you know, six months of cash reserves in the bank. But when you're, you're on nine-month line, uh, that's kind of the death blow there. Kyle, yeah. I know you have thoughts on it as well. I don't know if you want to speak up or you're just going to take, take, mm -hmm. a, take a sideline on this he, one. But he just, he just wants to yeah. listen to Tommy and go, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I agree with everything. I'm agreeing with everything Tommy says. And, you know, he has the platform right now to talk about his you know, his concerns and stuff. And I, I support you 100% and with what you just said and the problems that you're going through. I think what people really don't realize is when we do get the green light to open in a bunch of real, real, um, in retail stores, you don't understand that the, the, the law now, we got to operate at 50% capacity because of the space. And when you already locked into a lease where your square footage is locked out to so many amount of money per square foot you need to sell to keep your, your lease going on your, on your bottom line, yeah. it, 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 it's hard either way. Like, well, I, I they, they mandate the, the landlords drop their rent by 50% to accommodate. It's only yeah, they're, they're not going to do that, you know? A little bit. Yeah. And I, I told my friend this the other day, and he's like, well, well how do you feel? And I'm like, you know what I feel like? I feel like um, if you're in a boat and you get a heart attack and you fall off and somebody chose you a life preserver, well, that doesn't solve anything. You're still dying of a heart attack. <laughs> but then there's Ian Caldwell with the anchor going, here, catch them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you, get, you, get this, you, get this, you get this little bit of push that say, this can help you out. And you go, fuck no, it ain't going to help us. <laughs> Wait till reality sits in and you tell us open. And then we got to deal with that, you know? So it, everybody's worried about, to me, the short-term fix. But there's a long-term damage that's been done that none of the small businesses can recover from this if we don't figure out how we're going to how we're going to live in this new world and yeah. how we're going to cope in this new world. You know, it's super hard. 
And I feel for Tommy because, you know, he has not only his family to support, but a bunch of employees too to support on top of that, you know? And this, I mean, this state some not helping us out. Huh? I get lifers over here. I get yeah. guys that have been here 30 yeah. years, 36 years. I get my administrative director being here uh, 30 years. My lead guy on my flat glass crew that does a residential commercial, Alan, he's been with us 33 years. You know, my graphics manager, 21, 22 years. My graphic designer, 16 years. I mean, we guys been here decades, man. And I, I yeah, see it on my side. The recording industry is suffering. All my friends who own brands, they, how are you going to survive this? You know, it's already tough, you know, when you're competing with, with big box stores selling. I, we sell clothes. We sell T-shirts. Why? We can't stay open, but you can go to Costco and get a, a shirt for $9.99 over there if you want to shop and you need a T-shirt. What makes you think that they're going to come now and spend money on... on and that, that was the thing that was so discriminatory. You know, if yeah. you're saying that Costco, Costco, Walmart, Sam's Club, all those guys can open because they're selling essential items like food and, and um, prescriptions, you know, medications and all that, that's fine. But rope off the furniture, rope off the clothing, yeah. all that stuff, <laughs> and close that down just like they close you guys down. Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought the exact same thing to my wife. Why do we see this and, and the mayor and the governor don't see this? What the hell? What the hell? How can you let one business thrive while you're just handcuffing entrepreneurs that got their mortgages tied up in their business and their family, their whole family uh, life savings just getting burnt up? Yeah. And you go to Costco, you're going to line out the door in the parking lot like it's Disneyland, like that. What the hell? How do you not see that that is wrong, illegal, and discriminatory? Yeah. I mean, I, like, even for your car store or electronics, you know, those mom and pop stores that sell those things, you, you, they need your business, but they can't open. So you're going to go Costco, you're going to go Walmart or Target and buy your car stereo there, your electronic equipment there. How does that make it fair? How is that fair for Hawaii people and how is that fair for small businesses? It's not. And I don't know how we're going to get, get out of this, you know? I'm waiting for somebody to grab a lawyer that is willing to stand up and do a big class action and go oh, after yeah. these guys for like yeah, losses, man. I mean, yeah. this is billions and billions of dollars in losses that um, they're, they're causing and knowingly causing. They know these problems are existing and happening, yeah. you know? And then you look at the risk. There's a risk, of course. COVID is bad. It's very contagious. You know, people die from it. But look, I mean, the people that are dying are, are in the care homes. Uh, people that have underlying, you know, very few people that are healthy, like, you know, Devin or, or John or Dr. Green. You know, hardly anybody that gets it that's not in those categories have a big problem with it. You know, Dr. Green was down for three or four days and he's working. He's still working. You know, he's recovered. He's doing well. Great. Okay, so now we should all know that. You know what? Let everybody go back to work that's healthy and young. And the older people that are in care homes, put up a big wall around that and make sure that they don't get infected. You know, that's where they should be focusing is, is the high-risk category people and groups. It's not my shop. It's not the salons. It's not the people doing nails. You walk in a place that smells like a hospital. It's clean. You yeah. know, so it's doesn't make any sense and you know for them to keep this going under this four tier crap yeah we're never going to get to tier two three and four ever no it's not laid out mathematically right it's not going to happen and, and the numbers are all, the numbers are all false who where's the number 
Who's, who's the source of these numbers? They keep changing. From Friday to Saturday, 4,629 people were released off the list. Mm. We went from 6,000-something people infected to 1,200 overnight. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't that's think... Why, that's, why they, that's why they designed this, tier, this four-tier thing, because we have so many people infected. What? We don't know. We have 1,200 people infected or active cases. Maybe we should be at uh, tier four today and let these people open up so they can survive. Yeah. Crazy. What, what's scary is, what really scares me is when I watch the news and I see people like you, Tommy, and uh, people like Matsumoto Shebais, who are good friends of mine, and, people, and Highway Inn, and all these establishments. Oh, man, I love Highway Inn. Like Leaky Leaky Drive-In, all these things. Pillbox, Kamaki. Hardhouse. Maniacs, Kamaki. Gecko Books, Kamaki. Everything that was established in Hawaii and has generations and generations of people running that business. Kimchi, too. I just ate there the other night. I was talking to um, Jimmy about the, the hard times they were running, you know, ran into to stay afloat. When you see these prominent small businesses having problems, where does that leave everybody else, man? Yeah. And we're the successful ones that, that lived through this for decades when Hawaii, I mean, if you read, read PBN anytime, you know, in the past, Hawaii is the number one worst place to do business in the United States. Number yeah. one. And we're number two in the world behind Tokyo, Japan. Mm. You know, so we, we made it, you know, two, three, four decades, all these businesses, some five, six decades that have closed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that tells them that, you know what, we made it to all these landmines and survive. This virus comes and the way they handled it was enough to kill these businesses that made it through everything else. I mean, we made it through 911. We made it through the whole collapse of the, 2008-2009 um, financial situation. We made it through Bird flu. wars, we made it hurricanes. What was that, John? Bird flu. <laughs> Bird flu. <laughs> it, it, it had an impact. People yeah. stopped coming yeah. for a bit. Yeah. 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 Don't my bird flu. This is such an unusual um, situation because back then, we were never told to not sell or open to try to recover. Right, right. And we failed. It was our fault only. We ran the business wrong. We made bad decisions. We ran into the ground ourselves. It's all to blame on ourselves. Right now, we're just handcuffed. And the government makes a decision on whether we can survive or not. And that's right. what that's, I find frustrating in it, you know? That was one of my very big points in another interview I did. It was like, this phone is starting to stop. Um, it was like, you know, entrepreneurs have this, this burning desire to succeed. And if you put them in a room and say, you can't get out of this room, you see one crack, you know, like, coming <laughs> in, you're going, you're going to go, you're going, you're going to get out, you're going to do it, yeah. you know, and, and the government is now taking away our drive. I mean, they, they've closed us down and, and the, for the first time in my whole career of, I've been doing this 40 years now, first time I ever cannot make a decision to, to fix and save my business because mm. I, I, I cannot. You know what I mean? I mean, right now, luckily, we are open, but all my friends that are in, you know, tier two, three, and four, they still get handcuffed. They still cannot do anything to control their business and, and make it right. Yeah. They're, they're stifled. Yeah. With no support. Right. There's no right. support, too. The first time around, the seven-week shutdown, we had PPP loan, EIDL loan, all that is gone. I mean, I paid my employees, I paid their medical, all that stuff. That's gone. We spent that in eight weeks. It was poof, gone. Okay. Happens again. Oh, no, no help this time, but we still have to close. 
you know, it just it does not make any sense. They did this on a whim, without researching anything, and now now we're having all these businesses shut down for good. Terrible. Well, they should be you know, of them. They should recuse themselves out of their offices. Well, it'll be interesting. When is the next election? Two years from now? Well, the mayor's one coming up in November. Oh, coming up. Oh, all right. Well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see what but, happens. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I don't follow the, politics the governor, too much. The governor's been paying attention to all this stuff. The governor's in two years, which, you know, if, if he still does what he's going to do for the next two years, Oahu going to look like Kaho Olave, bro, in about one year. <laughs> There's going to be buildings just falling down. Nothing's going to be left. Yeah. John, we need to vote. We need to make a change. Yeah, yeah. We need to fix everybody. Broken. And we are broken, bro. Every, this whole state is broken. We need to fix it, man. We need to vote correctly. Get people out. Put yeah. people, the right people in. Yeah. For real. Think, All right. Polit you know, career politicians, they don't care about us. Well, we're going to... Uh, this is kind of a hard tangent, but because of our <laughs> timeline... Tommy, if you don't mind, we're going to move to a couple, well, music question real quick. Sure. <laughs> okay. I get to, we, we go through all that, and now I get to ask the music yeah. question. We're going to take a, we're going to do this, we're going to do this music no, we'll do question. Patreon. We'll do that, huh? Are we going to we'll do, do that Patreon, or are we going to do Yeah, that? after, but we do the music question okay. first, and we're going to go into Patreon. Go, Dev. Okay, so... I don't even know how I'm supposed to ask this question after all of that for the last like 20 <laughs> minutes. I would, I would try. So, Tommy, we ask everybody who comes on the pod if they can give us three Desert Island discs. You remember those, right? So your three no. Desert Island discs. Your three, your three albums uh, by artists that you would take with you to a desert island. So if, if you, you get stuck a on a deserted island, yeah, if you're stuck on a deserted island, what are the three albums you would take? And they cannot be Greatest Hits albums. They got to be three albums, whatever you want. And you're, and the thing is too. Uh, I know you're gonna have a hard time because you're friends with like every musician I in Hawaii. I know. So, yeah. <laughs> no, like, don't, don't, don't get yourself in trouble. Yeah, you don't have to say pure heart too. You know. Uh, please, oh, do I don't have to say <laughs> yeah. please do not. Please do not. It's just that that's included uh, already. Kalapana, got to be one of them. Okay. Yeah. That that is that is a good. That, that, I don't know which album, but. Maybe if choose yeah. one song and we'll, we'll, we'll name the album. <laughs> one song from Kalapana. Yeah. Lost Again. Lost Again. <laughs> Since you uh, go to one island. That's Kalapana 2. That's Kalapana, Kalapana 2. Okay, okay. So Kalapana 2. Okay, that's good. That's good. I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, I don't know, I love my Carlos Santana, man. I got to ah, have his Ah, nice. Oh, well. Carlos Santana has been my favorite artist. And I got to meet him a while back. Um, nice. He's a legend, and he's so down to earth and humble, and I just love all his music. I don't know, Abraxas was the first album I really got into with him. Oh yeah, that, that way back, um, you know, uh, Jingle and Evil Woman on it, all those older songs. And I think his uh, Smooth album was probably the best album that I really got into oh, after. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Yeah, so both of those are, are really good. But then the third artist, I don't know, man. Uh, so many, so many out there. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> I, I see you going, okay, who can I say and not get in trouble with <laughs> the other ones? Because like, you could say like, Kapena, <laughs> but no, no, no. But then I don't know. He said, Kapena, but oh, we're not, no. We're not, no. We're not, no. We're not, no. We're Fiji's music is always very uh, fun yeah, to Fiji. Uh, Fiji, good brother also. Okay. Okay. So, 
I don't know. And then Bruno Mars, man, local boy made it real big, you know, so his yeah. music is enlightening and, uh, yeah, so I don't know, okay. plenty, man. I don't know if I could just bring three because my iPod get like 10,000 songs now. Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Not, everyone's uh, everyone's um, attitude is different because of the iPod now. They A lot of people have been like, hey, I can do more than three because I just bring my iPod. <laughs> and say, no, no, that's it. But uh, yeah. But no, those are those are all good picks. We won't make you choose from those, okay? So, so we got the okay. Cabanas and the Fijis and the Brunos <laughs> and all of them and the yeah. old companies. So something else yeah, that's in that vein. Okay. I like it. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Tommy's going to tell us how he really feels about the shutdown. And then... <laughs> I mean, he's gonna be. He's gonna. He's gonna be really honest. Then it's gonna yeah, be crazy. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna not sugarcoat it next. next <laughs> no, but as we're doing this podcast, me and, you can, me and you can go off on the Patreon side, you know. Oh. Yeah, but as we're doing this podcast, uh, the presidential debates are, are happening. So I want to talk just a really quick about predictions of what is going to happen during the presidential debates. So we'll do that. Uh, thank you all for listening to our regular listeners, and we'll see the rest on Patreon in a second. <laughs> 